Well, welcome back to the podcast, Rick. It's great to have you back behind the microphone. I'm glad you uh, were able to get away and have some healthy time off. Yeah, I had a great uh, vacation time and uh, glad to be back, though. Glad to be sitting in the studio with you and uh, talking to everyone who's listening uh, to this special episode. Yeah, Uh, special episode today. Yeah, we're Mm -hmm. talking about um, a significant decision uh, that's been made for our our church uh, moving forward that was shared uh, in yesterday's uh, weekly update, an email newsletter that goes out to everyone uh, in our our congregation. So today we're going to be talking about really the future of worship here at Autumn Ranch. I'm glad we have the opportunity to talk about this. And it's an unscripted discussion, as all of our podcast episodes are. Yeah. But, uh, but there's some opportunity here to maybe flesh out some things that people might have questions about and mm-hmm. and to uh, to include everyone on the same page. Sure. So maybe I should just give a, a kind of a, a little bit of background and update people on the decision that, that we've made in case people haven't seen it. Some people are just kind of coming to this fresh. Um, it was November 2020. 22, um, about, I guess that's about uh, seven and a half, eight, eight months ago, uh, we discovered, hey, there's going to be a, a change in, in, um, in, here in our church, and we're going to be stepping into a new, a new chapter uh, because our, uh, our worship pastor was over the traditional worship service and followed God's call to, to another church, and we celebrate that for him. We celebrate uh, for that church, and so we knew, okay, there's going to be some changes here, so what do we do next? Um, and in response to, to that kind of uncertainty, uncertainty. Uh, we decided to do a couple of things. Um, we wanted to survey primarily the attenders of the of the 8.30 a.m. service to, to kind of get a sense of, of things that they wanted to share with us, um, that they, they wanted us to uh, uh, to know about the things that they value most in, in, a, in worship. Uh, that's, a, that's our service. That's primarily a, a tradi- traditional uh, service. And, you know, I'm not a statistician, Statistician. I'm not trained in that. I'm not. I'm not trained in, in survey. But we put the, together the best survey that we knew how uh, at the time, and we feel like we got great information on that. We put together a team of folks um, who primarily attend and participate in that service. Uh, they served as an advisory team. We call them the the worship advisory team. And so they we started to meet in January, and we met together for for months. And we processed the results of that survey. Um, we we dug into all kinds of things to kind of look at what's happening with other churches who are similar. To us, we studied the history of our of our own church, and we began to um, see how what we do um, for that one service doesn't just affect that one service. Believe it or not, it has a it has an impact on a wide range of aspects of our church life and church experiences because it impacts staff, it impacts volunteers, it impacts resourcing, it impacts. Um, what's available to people at, at certain times. So naturally, it's kind of, we, as we kind of lifted the, the hood mm-hmm. on, the, on the engine of, of, of Autumn Ridge, kind of looking at this aspect, we realized it's not isolated. It's part of a whole. And I guess that makes sense. I don't know why that surprised me. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we're, we're a family. We're, we're a living organism. Um, and it's not like <laughs> it's, it's not like we can quadrant off or section off aspects of the church and they're completely separate from, mm-hmm. from other aspects of the church. We're, we're, we're all interconnected. And so uh, I felt like I 
kind of learned a lot mm. in this in this process, and 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 I appreciated that. But as we really began to to dig into this uh, together, um, we began to realize that that this is not this is not a is not a simple thing, and and along this journey, and I'm happy to talk about this more and explain more about why why we saw it the way that we did. We began to see that having two distinct types of worship services. So our church, like many churches, has multiple services. We have a service on Saturday night, two on Sunday morning. Um, but there are two distinct types. At 5.30 on Saturday night, 10 o'clock on Sunday morning is what people would typically call more just modern, modern worship. At 8.30 is what people typically call traditional worship. And um, people have different understandings of those, but it's really... That's what that's what we've been trying to do. It's what's been done for for many many years, um, but having two distinct types, um, we began to see this really is um, unsustainable um, for our for our church long term, and it really is in some ways, in some significant ways, it's it's holding us back from what we want to do. In some ways, it's allowing us, it's pushing us forward in what we want to do. In other significant ways, it's holding us back um, from, from, what, from what we want to do and what we feel called to do. Um, and so as a team, we realized, you know, we, we don't want to do it now. Um, and we'd, we'd really like to delay it for as long as we can. But we recognize that the next step for our church, for unity and for wisdom, and, and we really believe that the next step that that is God honoring and we believe that God is calling us to is to move towards unified worship instead of dividing over worship types and styles is to be a church that whenever we gather together, that we're unified um, and not divided over uh, preferences and desires and needs, but we, 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 we come together. And so uh, we met with the, um, in May, we met with the elder board. Uh, we, we shared, we shared all of that. We um, processed through that together. And then at the early part of this month, June, um, the elders decided to uh, to affirm the recommendation that was made by the by the worship advisory team. Uh, it's, a, it's a recommendation that I was fully on, on board with. Um, I think it's, a, it's the right thing to do. And so we've decided, we've picked a direction that we're eventually going to be a church that has unified worship. We're eventually going to be a church that doesn't have distinct worship styles. We'll always have multiple services, but every service will be identical in how we how we express worship. And mm-hmm. so some people, that might be frustrating to, for some people because they like distinct styles. It might be frustrating for some people because they want to know, like, when is it going to happen? And, and I can't tell them exactly when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a direction, not a not necessarily a date and time that it's going to start. We just recognize that this is the this is the future, and we're trying to position ourselves now to be ready for when the time is right. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit to the process of how this d- direction was determined? I mean, you mentioned at the outset of that that yeah. that um, this wasn't a choice of mm-hmm. of a, a, a church leadership choice that uh, was already decided ahead of time, and then it was a process to figure out how to arrive there. It was something that was kind of yeah. um, forced yeah. on us to, to address at the time. And <laughs> I don't want this to sound ominous, but I, I've told people I've died a thousand deaths in this process, <laughs> and because when. Uh, one, I 
like everybody else probably in America, I'm like, can we just be done with change for a while? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've gone through we've gone through so much change over the past few years as a nation, um, in our own community, and in, in our in our own church. And to find out that we were going through change again, I was like, oh my goodness. Well, let's. I wanted to just like hit the brakes. Let's go through this as slowly as possible, mm-hmm. as carefully as possible, and as prayerfully as possible. And so when we recognized, okay, we've got a we've got a big decision in front of us. And this is something that's deeply meaningful, deeply meaningful to all kinds of people in our church. I don't know that there's anybody in our church who's ever said to me, Rick, I don't really care about worship. Just sing whatever you want to sing. <laughs> like nobody says that. Like uh-huh. the kind of music is incredibly powerful. It's important. I think God wired us that way. I don't think that we should shrink back from that. I don't think we should lament that. That's that's how God made us. I think God loves music. There's music in heaven. Um, so of course, yeah, this should be very meaningful mm-hmm. and important to us. So we just said, this is how I think we can go slow this is how we can go carefully, prayerfully, and this is how we can do it collaboratively. Mm-hmm. One, let's give everybody in the 830 service, because they're the ones who probably feel the most impacted because they just lost the person who was leading that service. Let's try to give them a voice. Um, we really want to be good listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my goal. And um, I'll leave it to other people to say whether or not I'm a good listener. <laughs> Maybe we can have Heather on the podcast sometime and she can answer the question. <laughs> oh, that could be fun. <laughs> If I'm a good listener, but we really wanted to be, just really wanted to be um, good listeners. So we put together the survey, we shared it, we put it online so people could take it digitally. Um, And then we printed copies uh, so people who just don't feel comfortable doing something on a computer screen, they'd feel more comfortable with pen and paper that they could take it that way. And then we, we tabulated all, all of that uh, information, took it, took a little bit uh, to do that. And then we selected, um, people who, who sang in the choir, people who led in traditional worship, people who served in, in various capacities, people who attended uh, that service to be on this worship advisory team mm-hmm. with, with me. Um, and I got to tell you, I loved some of these, some of these people I knew fairly well already. Some of these people um, I, I didn't know in, in a deep way uh, yet. And I was so eager just to spend time with them and to, to hear, to, to hear from them. And um, I think my favorite, I'm going to rabbit trail a little bit, but my favorite part of meeting together with them over January, February, March, April, and May was our times of prayer together. Mm. I absolutely love it. And I hope this does not embarrass her, but if anybody has not had a chance to pray with Mary Scales, you just, you need to introduce yourself <laughs> to her and you need to just pray with her. Um, I love praying with, with Mary Scales, but um, it was awesome. It was it was awesome, and um, to to sit in in a room um, with uh, for hours at a time uh, with people who've been a part of this church for decades. I mean, some of them many decades, and to 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 hear about the history of their own um, discipleship, their own time in this church, their perspective. Oh my goodness, it was it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we as we worked through this process, some of the some of the things that that we did. Um, was one, just read through the survey. And, and one of the things that we discovered, well, here are a few things that we discovered in, in, the, in the survey. Um, one, like any survey, there's, <laughs> there is no group alive that everybody agrees on everything. Uh-huh. But some of the things that emerged is that this is a church that really values the preaching of God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a long, it's a, it's a, it's a long history uh, of, of this, of, of this church. And I, it's incredibly humbling and, and I'm grateful to be a part of 
getting to be a part of that. You mm-hmm. get to be uh, to, to, to be a part of that. Anytime you get to stand up and, and to share God's word um, with people is a big deal. And it is awesome when people love God's word. Mm-hmm. And so that's just, that's a big, big part of who our church is. It's in our DNA. It's in our bones. But some of the other things that, that emerged is that uh, hymns are incredibly important. Absolutely. My favorite song all time is a is a hymn, mm-hmm. Come Come Thou Found. It's not my favorite church song. It's just my favorite song, period, <laughs> of all time is uh, is Come Thou Found. Um, piano, um, choir, and then modern worship songs. Those were the top four. Mm-hmm. Those were the top four most important things um, to, to folks who, who attend the 830 service. And I thought, wow, these are... The, those four things are also four things that that Pastor Ian, um, who who is our our worship pastor, who oversees our entire worship uh, ministry, but primarily leads in the five thirty and ten o'clock service. These are things that we want in our in, in the five thirty and ten o'clock service too. So we're like, okay, mm-hmm. there's some strong strong similarity too. So we're we're studying that. Um, we begin to read from. Just what is, what are other churches experiencing? And so we we kind of went to some some guys who aggregate um, data and stories uh, from other churches around the, around the country. So I tried to tried to learn uh, tried to learn from them. Um, dug into the history of our own church, and mm-hmm. so some of that included um, attendance records. Um, some of that included an article written by a former pastor, worship pastor here, and executive pastor um, named Bill Price, who, who wrote about the history of worship at Autumn Ridge and how probably for the majority, uh, not probably, absolutely for the majority of Autumn Ridge's um, church life, going back to when it was called First Baptist, there was only one type of worship, mm-hmm. and then uh, began in the '90s began to experiment with with a variety of different. Um, styles. Mm-hmm. Having, As many churches did then. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That was a big deal. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal in the 90s. As a matter of fact, you could read lots of you could read lots of articles and books that advocated having multiple worship styles in a church. And so interestingly, the last article that I can find published advocating for having multiple styles is, is 1999. Interesting. Yeah. Um <laughs> There might be more later. I just haven't been able to find one in the past 24, 25 years that says yes, this is this is the kind of thing, uh, this is the kind of thing that we that we ought to do. But churches were doing that in the 90s. I don't uh, called First Baptist was doing that in the 90s, and then after um, after moving into the new building and changing the name, you really see, you really see. Um, you really see the more modern or contemporary service really, really start to take off. The Saturday night service uh, really, really start to take off. Um, and this was something that was surprising to me to learn in this process. Um, from 2005, moving into the, moving into the, to this facility, through through 2010 into 2011, the traditional service was on a continuous decline. Um, and I, I wasn't, that was something I was surprised to learn about the, the, the history of our church that really over in the past 18 years, it's the, the, the Saturday night service and the, the more contemporary service saw the, 
they're the ones that that saw the that saw the most growth, and then, um, and so that was something that we, that we that we processed. And one of the reasons that we felt that it was important to process that, and one of the reasons that I wanted to when I discovered that is that I that I wanted to talk about that is we're in this interesting post COVID reality mm-hmm. where basically every church was shaken up, and. There probably are some churches that um that didn't skip a beat, or when they opened their doors again, they were back to where they were, and it was just keep going. Um, most churches, that was not the case. Certainly not the case um, for our church. And what we've experienced is um, Saturday night service has not yet come back to what it was before COVID. And part of that, I think, is um, at least part of it is that we haven't yet been able to provide children's programming on Saturday night. In the way that we were able to do before, um, back in the, in the pre-COVID days, um, the traditional service has not um, has not come back to the attendance numbers that it was before COVID. Um, the ten o'clock service um, isn't quite to what it was, but it is it's the one that is most rapidly growing and is sometimes at at seating capacity. So we have this as a church, we have this weird dilemma. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard dilemma. And and if I could be honest with you, it, which I'm certainly not going to lie, but if I could be vulnerable, which is really what I'm trying to say, is I went through some grieving as I as I as I acknowledged that as I as I discovered this, is that we're at seating capacity in one service, but we're not at seating capacity in the other two services. And so we're like, okay, so how do we continue to grow and welcome in people who are looking for a church, welcome mm-hmm. in people who want to, to hear the gospel without turning them away? And sometimes that does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we and, never and turn people happens away. even more likely with kids' ministry That's right. in the 10 o'clock hour. That's right. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're up against capacity. We have plenty of more seating on the first service on Sunday morning. We have plenty of more seating on Saturday. But people want to come to church primarily on Sunday over Saturday. And... People are primarily wanting to come to what we typically call a, a more modern service. So how do we navigate that? The only way to open more seating is, well, there's two ways to open more seating. One is to launch a third service on Sunday morning. Or if all services are unified and people are getting the the, the same experience and the there's a pressure valve from the second service on Sunday morning, from the 10 o'clock service. And so people were coming to that slide over to the, to the first service. Mm-hmm. So how could we, which one, which one do we go? So we seriously leaned into, I, this is where I thought we were going to be. I thought we were going to end up launching a third service on Sunday morning. And let's, 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 let's kind of keep everything as is and launch a third service on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. But what we discovered is we're just not able to. It is. It would be, it would be destructive hard um, on our kids ministry staff and our kids ministry team and a number of other areas, but primarily that they're just not able um, to to staff and adequately recruit, train, um, mm-hmm. and resource volunteers for a third service on Sunday morning. And so you're it, you're kind of beginning to yeah. go this direction, but can you speak a little bit? Yeah. You talked a lot about the kinds of things that you learned in this process mm-hmm. from the survey and yeah. from prayer and from good discussion with yeah. the the worship advisory team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. can you talk a little bit about the criteria that you used to make the decision that ultimately yeah. the team we uh, all came agreed. to and what the elders uh, uh, used in their decision making uh, process? On, on our very first on our very first meeting, we just we, we agreed to this. 
that whatever the recommendation is that, that we make, it's got to fully align with our church's mission, vision, and values and our statement of faith. That's a that's a non-negotiable. Um, we also have a, a worship philosophy uh, and worship values, and it has to has to align with that. And, and so our worship philosophy and values are we want um, we want the worship environment to be immersive like um and by that we want to utilize everything that we have where people are included in what's going on not spectators of what's going on we don't want worship to be something that's out in front of people that they watch happening we want to be in the the middle of it so that means we're hearing each other we're we're hearing Mm -hmm. each other sing we're not watching other people Mm -hmm. sing um, we're participating in it. We want it to be expressive. Um, we want, uh, as we read the Old and, and New Testament, people should be um, expressing themselves uh, physically, uh, emotionally, vocally, spiritually, mentally, all, all of those things. Uh, it's truth-based. Um, we, never, we never compromise um, truth for the sake of a song that sounds good <laughs> or feels good. The songs that we sing need to be anchored to the truth of, of God's word. Um, multicultural. Mm-hmm. We want it to be, to, to be we, our intent is to be a church of, of all cultures. That's what it's going to look like in heaven. We want to be a snapshot of that um, right now. And so that means we can never have one dominant style. And then we are a multi-generational church and we really want it to be, we want our worship to be multi-generational. We don't want, hey, if you're young, go to this service, or if you're this demographic, go to that service or whatever. We want to all be able to we want to all be able to, to come together. So we want to we, we want to honor that. We want to advance the ongoing pursuit of unity in our church. And we want to honor the constraints of our of our budget. So those were the those were the guidelines. Those are the boundaries for whatever recommendation. And there's no worship style that contradicts any of that. But however we move forward as a church, it's got to honor those boundaries. Mm-hmm. So what were the factors that that helped to clarify where this direction um, emerged from? I, the, the realization that what we do impacts our seating capacity, what we do impacts our, our reach potential. And when we talk about reach potential, we're talking about our ability to attract people who are unchurched, attract people who are de-churched, attract people who are looking, um, looking for a church home. Um, Another factor is it affects the, the quality of our, of our worship services. I, I can, um, with anyone who is just in love with more traditional expressions of worship, they love a more traditional service, and they're like, Rick, you guys just have not scratched the itch. You, get, you haven't quite hit the bullseye in the past three years. I totally get that. And I think part of the reason for that is, is that leadership and orchestrating all things related to a traditional type service. It is a particular skill set, and it's a skill set that has not been produced in people in the church world for years. Mm-hmm. Um, we began, we just began the process by looking who can we get to to lead the services, especially on an interim basis. Uh, but where would we go to to find people who are skilled in the areas of traditional worship leadership, who understand the instrumentation, who understands the music, who understand the musical arrangement, who understands all the ins and outs of it, um, and. Pastor Ian worked hard on that. He has a list of over 50 contacts, including colleges and universities, other pastors, um, and we couldn't find a single person who was willing 
who, who, who's, who's interested, who's willing to participate with us, or who had anybody to recommend. We reached out to, to Wooddale Church up in the cities. They're, they're, they're kind of a, they're a sister church. They're, they're, they're a church we love. We've been mm-hmm. up to, to Wooddale. We've met with their executive pastor. We've met with their senior pastor. Um, very encouraging to us. Very, very encouraging to, to us. I, I really appreciate their, their, their lead pastor a lot. His name is Dale, and he's a guy who I can reach out to and talk to and bounce ideas off of. And they're a church who is their traditional service and modern service, and they have they're they're working through the exact same things we are. We asked their um, their traditional worship pastor to help us find someone. He said, honestly, I can't I can't make any recommendation. I have no one to point you to. I have no one to recommend mm-hmm. you to or to you. So we're like, oh my goodness. Um, and so we began to look at other churches similar to us around the country. There's one. Um, uh, Pastor Caleb was with a, a group of other executive pastors uh, in Texas, uh, one church like us in Waco, Texas, and their their traditional worship pastor retired. They're in Waco, Texas. They could not find anyone mm-hmm. um, to to lead, and they had tons of like orchestra um, type type folks, and but those folks wanted to play their instruments in the more modern service. Hmm. And which I think is, That's I think is, I think it's fascinating, but I also think it's a, it's a, it's a great thing. And so a lot of churches are discovering it's hard to produce it with quality and to do it right and to do it well, because we don't know, because we can't find someone who will, who knows how to lead it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so like, I, I know some people have been concerned, are we getting rid of the organ in our church? And the answer is no, but we actually play it far more in the modern service than the traditional services because it's played differently in the modern service, but we don't have anyone who knows how to play it in the way that it's supposed to be played in a traditional service. So these are just things that we're just kind of running running mm-hmm. up against. It's like if you, you're going to have to... Stop me if I <laughs> if I if, if if I stumble through this or I say okay. this in a condescending way. Like I used to have, I had this massive collection of cassette tapes, right? Uh-huh. To, now I have, a, I love my collection of records, and it's easy to find a record player. Uh-huh. It's harder to find a cassette tape. It's just, it's you have things, but you don't necessarily have the right equipment to facilitate uh-huh. it. But this is, it just things evolve and they change over time. The church world has been in that probably for um, twenty five years. Um, some churches felt that pinch much earlier on. Some churches had a much longer runway with it. We're one of those churches that have had a much longer runway with it, but we're now at a spot where like it's it's just difficult to find someone who has all the skills to know how to lead mm-hmm. it in the way that it was intended. Does that make sense? It does. So, it does. so to reiterate, yeah. the elders have set a direction That's right. of where we're headed, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a date. That's right. So we're processing all of these things. I, I would encourage people to to look at the weekly update, sign up, go on the website, sign up for it and read it because I talk about other things. Um, there, there are other aspects of our church that are impacted by it, and I'd love for you to, to, to read about it. Um, so I made a commitment early on. Whatever the worship advisory team recommended, I'm going to recommend. Now I recognize that I'm the lead pastor and and I have a level of persuasion and all of that kind of stuff. And and so it's not just like I walked into the room and said, Hey, whatever you guys want to do, I want to do. So these are the these are the these are the boundaries that we're gonna operate inside of. And we're gonna look at the big picture. And after looking at the big picture and processing that together prayerfully, carefully over over an extended period of time, um, I'm gonna ask you to to speak and speak into this. And um, for the most part. The overwhelming majority of the worship advisory team recognized 
being able to have two distinct services is not sustainable for a church. There is an end date. We don't know when that is. We'd like to be able to continue to do a traditional service for as long as is possible, but we recognize that one day we're eventually going to have to pivot. And so we brought that to the to the uh, to the elder board. I affirm to the elders. That's ex- I th- I stand with them. I think that's the right thing. I think that's the right thing to do. And so. Um, we're not trying to kill the traditional service. One of the things that we're doing, trying to extend the life of it for as long as we possibly can, is in September. I think the date is, will you help me remember the date here? Is it September 10th? September 10th. We're going to pivot our worship times back to 9 o'clock and 1030. And maybe that will maybe that will just kind of help naturally spread out the seating capacity stuff, and that might extend our ability to continue to have two different types of worship services even longer. As long as we're able to do it, we're happy to do it. But we recognize um, from the worship advisory team, from the pastors, from the elders, it's not an indefinite. It, it, it's not the, the lifespan of being able to do two distinct types of services is not mm-hmm. indefinite. We're going to have to eventually pivot to unified worship. And so we're trying to position ourselves now to where we'll be able to do that and to do it well. So I would think many people listening might be wondering, well, how does this going to feel going forward? How is my worship experience yeah, am I going like to be the same? Or is it going to be am I different? going to have to endure the music? Oh. Am I just going to hate it? Is it going to be? <laughs> are we just going to disappoint two groups of people? Oh. <laughs> I mean, what, what are we going to do here? No, no. I totally get all those all those questions. Mm-hmm. I would be asking those questions if I'm if I'm listening to this and not the guy sharing the information. I want to know mm-hmm. um, because there are people who attend the five thirty and ten o'clock services. They're going to be like, well, are you messing with my service? And people who are attending the 830 service. They're like, well, you're messing with my service. And here's, here's what I want to say. Number one, some quick questions I know that people are having. Does this mean that the choir is going away? No. Um, I love choirs. Um, modern music uses uses choirs. Pastor Ian and I have been talking about this for a while. We love, we love multi-generational, multicultural choirs. Um, as if I can have my way for as long as I can have my way, we will utilize multi-generational, multicultural choirs in all of our and all of our services. That's mm-hmm. what we. That's what we want. Um, the choir's not meeting now. Historically, I don't know how many years, but this predates my arrival at Autumn Ridge. The choir would take a break during the summer. That's why there's no choir right now. But we want to have, we in our unified service, we want to have multi generational, multicultural choir as part of that. And so, I would encourage you to join the choir or think about joining the choir if you've never, never done that before. That'll kick back. In the fall, probably mm-hmm. starting uh, starting in September. People are going to want to know, okay, so what is unified worship? Is it like sometimes we do traditional music, sometimes we do contemporary music? And that kind of sounds like a buffet. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we're going to do. Unified, uh, and it certainly doesn't mean that we're going to go all modern and totally remove all older music. Um, we have a rich, rich history of beautiful, important music that's hundreds of years old. And it's incredibly new. Mm-hmm. We think we should sing them all, and it's it's going to be more of a more of a fusion. And this is a thing that's hard to describe. So I think people need to experience it. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do, beginning Jul- the first weekend in July, one weekend a month, we're just going to experiment with unified worship. We're not going to announce it ahead of time which weekend is unified worship and which weekend isn't. But once a month, we're going to just begin to experience. We're going to begin to experiment with it. Pastor Ian is going to have a, a small team of people who love both modern music and traditional music, helping him and processing feedback. And I imagine we'll get better at it over time. But we're just going to begin to do this together. And listen, I part of 
part of what I love about being a pastor is helping us sometimes just lift our head up and see the big picture and see the joy mm-hmm. that sometimes we just don't see in the moment. And there is tremendous joy here. I'm convinced of this. I am absolutely convinced of this, that it is always better when our congregation sings together instead of singing separately. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus just gets a kick out of it. And one of the reasons that I know that Jesus gets a kick out of it is because Jesus, when he put his closest circle of guys together, he's like, all right, I'm going to pick this guy over here who wants to overthrow the government. He's a he's a, basically a domestic terrorist. Uh-huh. And I'm going to bring in this guy who is a tax collector who is funding the occupying army. <laughs> and you guys get to be best friends now, and you're going to follow me, and we're going to go do ministry together. Uh-huh. I think Jesus just got... A kick out of it. And he brought new life. He brought new life to both of those guys. He brought transformation to both of those guys. And just just about that. Mm -hmm. He's about taking people who think they're wildly different and bringing them together and showing them, you are both reflections of me. I made you in my image. Mm -hmm. And when you are with me, we can be one and you can experience oneness. I think he I think he loves it. I think he gets a kick out of it. I love getting to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, sometimes, um, sometimes it is, it requires some, it requires me saying no to me and trusting Jesus more than I trust myself, but it's always good. Mm-hmm. And so as we go forward, I think this is what's going to happen. And one of the reasons that I'm confident this is going to happen is because I, I know Jesus loves this sort of thing. And we've studied other churches who've done this and other churches who are like us, who had unique worship styles, when they came together and they did it as one, as a congregation, they discovered that they were more unified than ever before. Mm -hmm. When grandparents are worshiping with their grandkids. Mm -hmm. Oh, awesome. It's beautiful. When parents are worshiping with their kids. When, When parents are worshiping with their adult kids. When people can come together and practice the New Testament Christ-like distinctive of mutual submission. And we are, it's not about me. It's not about me. I want to serve your best interest and I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate the God who loves me and saved me, even though I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. Like when we come together and do that, that is amazing. And that's beautiful. And I want people who come to our church um, from different countries to feel honored and included. That's why sometimes we intentionally try to sing in different languages because we want people to be able to sing from their heart language and hear it in their heart language. It's why we intentionally try to include different um, different genres and different styles because we're a diverse mix of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I met somebody new yesterday, and he's from New York, grew up on Long Island. And he said, everybody that I know, he said, nobody moves here for the climate. <laughs> that's true. That's probably, that's probably true. He says, but everybody everybody moves here for work or family. And uh, so we have a, and our city, our community is one of these unique places where we're drawing people from all over the world and all over the country. And so we're all bringing different needs and preferences and desires and hopes. And um, Well, I want to sing what you like to sing, even if it's not my favorite thing. And when you want to mutually submit and defer and allow me to sing something that kind of speaks my heart language, even though it's not your thing, oh my goodness, there's this Jesus bringing people together Mm -hmm. and that is powerful. But you know what I've discovered? I, I've got, I've been to churches on, I've now gone to 13 different countries (laughs) and uh, and so that's not a lot. 
I think to be a world traveler, you have to go to 40, 40 countries. I don't know if oh, I'll yeah, ever. On your way. I don't know if I'll ever hit it. <laughs> but I've had the privilege of worshiping with people on four different continents in basically a dozen countries. And it's all different, but it's all the same. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was in um, I was in Guinea in in January, and we were singing, and they were all singing in French, and so I didn't know what I was singing. But one of the songs was just so easy to sing. I found myself singing it mm-hmm. in, in 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 French, and I just loved it. And 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 I just I just loved being a part of it. When I'm in Ghana, I love. I love worshiping with them. They sing some of the same songs we sing, and then they sing songs that are brand new to me. When I was in India, I love, I love singing and worshiping in India. When I was in England, I, I love doing that. When I go to different parts of the country, or when I have an off weekend here at Autumn Ridge, I love to visit different, uh, different churches in town. And some of us are very different in our expressions. Um, so I've gone to, I've gone to Assembly of God Church in town. I've gone to a Presbyterian church in town. Let me tell you, they don't have the same liturgy. <laughs> they don't have the same kind of worship service. Uh-huh. But I loved them both. Uh-huh. And I, listen, we're on the verge of experiencing even, even more joy. I wish everyone could see it. the smile on your face and the twinkle in your eyes as you're talking yeah. about that. And, it's, and I know some people are thinking, I know some people, am I losing something? I think everybody's going to discover that there is that there's stuff that speaks their heart language that's that they're like yes this is me this is easy um maybe not every song but in every service every person is going to discover that um i've been reading a lot of the apostle paul um lately and and, and some some things that i've been studying just personally and something that dawned on me as i was reading ephesians and then reading colossians is he he talks about he talks about what the gospel is and who Jesus is. Then he applies that to our lives. And then he caps it off with worship mm. and what worship is about. And both Ephesians and Colossians. And what the Apostle Paul talks about in both of those is that my worship is intended to honor God, but it's also for your good to encourage you, to admonish you, to communicate wisdom and truth um, through the kinds of songs um, that we that we that we sing together and so I I'm just I'm just looking forward to what that will be like mm. as we as we eventually pivot um, to, to unified worship that there are people in our church who I know love each other um, but who aren't used to worshiping together and they're going to get to experience what it's like worshiping together, deferring to each other, encouraging each other. And I look forward to that. Yeah. I think that's an awesome thing. Yeah. So going forward in this process, there's not a a date determined, as we've said a couple of times, but there's going to be some opportunities to experience this the beginning in July and, and, and going forward. You want to speak just a little bit more to the, the road ahead and, uh, and if people have questions, where do they go with their questions? Yeah, that's good. And so, I would imagine there's all kinds of questions. And what I would ask is, what I would ask is engage in this process before you make any decisions and before you really start kind of firing out questions, engage in this process. And so um, the first article went out yesterday. Uh, we've got the um, podcast, this podcast, we're talking about this a little bit more, dropping uh, dropping today. On June 27th, I'm gonna, there's going to be another article 
that uh, that's published and we talk about the, the process just to show how this was a collaborative process this is all the things um, these are the things that we did this is um, this is how we got this is how we got there answering that a little bit more on July 1st and 2nd I'm going to preach a message that really addresses this and the direction of our church and, and coming together. And if you are in town, I know it's a holiday. It, 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 it's a holiday time. A lot of people are traveling. If you're not here, I want you to watch it. I want you to commit to watch that message online. It is going to be so important for our church family. Uh, and if you are in town, be here. It is. It's going to be good. And I, man, I think it's. I think it's going to be encouraging. Not because of anything that I have to say, but because we're going to, we're going to look <laughs> at something that's incredibly helpful um, from what Paul had to say, especially to the, to the church in Rome. They were navigating something very similar to what we are. It's so um, learning more about that, and um, I think it's just going to be. I think it's going to be fantastic. So mm-hmm. I look forward to look forward to sharing that. And of course, in July we began experimenting once a month, and then on August thirteenth we are going to have an Autumn Ridge family meeting. We're going to do that on a Sunday evening where people can come and they get a chance to hear from the elders of our church. They get a chance to hear from me and maybe some others, and um, they get a chance to to ask questions. And we're going to pray together. As a, as a as a church. And, and again, this isn't something that's happening right now. We just recognize that it's in the future. And so we're trying to p- position ourselves well for the thing that is coming. Mm-hmm. And if and if people really want to press, Rick, when do you think it's going to happen? I don't know. I've got more stuff to learn. Um, so let me let me address this real quick. Service times. So when I began candidating, it was before COVID. Fortunately, we saved COVID to my very first Sunday. Um, <laughs> but Autumn Ridge was at a place where it needed a third service on Sunday to keep growth, mm-hmm. keep growth kind of kind of going. Just the elders and I talked about that. Others, we, we talked about that. It, it was there. And so COVID hit. No one knew how long it was going to last. Uh, no one knew uh, what it was going to be like when it was over. Would it be this huge return? Would it be this slow trickle back? We didn't, we didn't know. And so we thought, okay, no one's coming now. Um, let's go ahead and position position ourselves to be able to launch a third service should it should it be necessary and so we changed the service times to accommodate that 8 30 10 and then we would launch another service at 11 15 trying to keep it as far from noon as possible mm-hmm. and um we find ourselves well we're growing and if we launched a third service we'd probably grow by 20 percent but we but we just don't have the infrastructure to be able to be able to to do that and so recognizing we're not starting a third service anytime soon at least i don't think um let's go ahead and put our service back service times back to 9 and 10 30 and this might naturally allow some people to go uh to to the nine o'clock service who 8 30 felt just a little too little too early mm-hmm. for them and that might mean that might mean that we continue like this for a year it may mean that we continue like this for six months i don't know i really don't know I'm going to learn alongside everybody else. Mm-hmm. But we are committed to this. If we get to a point to where the um, 1030 service, what will be the 1030 service, is busting at the seams and there's no, we're running out of space for kids and kids ministry and um, people to sit in that service, we would probably go ahead and, and really begin the process in earnest um, to pivot to, to unified but we'll see when that ha- we don't know when that will happen. Mm-hmm. I'll learn yeah. along with everyone else. God knows. God and knows. And we can follow his leading and, yeah. and continue to engage this process in prayer and yeah. seeking wisdom. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So that's a bit murky. Um, so we're clear about the direction, 
but we but we don't know when. Mm-hmm. We just know that's where that's where we're that's where we're going to be headed. Well, I'm glad you had the mm-hmm. opportunity to, to say a little bit more than yeah. you weren't able to maybe write in the, mm-hmm. the weekly update. And so let me make a bold prediction here, and maybe this is going to make me sound crazy, uh, but this is my bold prediction: is that both people, the people who love the more 5:30 and 10 o'clock services, and the folks who really love the 8:30 service, that when we start doing more unified worship, that the experience is going to be, this isn't as different as I thought it would be. Mm. This is actually good and joyful and beautiful. And I like it. I think that's what a lot of people are going to enjoy. I don't think everybody will say that, but um, I think the overwhelming majority of people are going to be like, wait a second, this is great. I don't know that I would have ever chosen this, but now that I've experienced it, this is what I want. Well, ultimately, we're all getting to worship God. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on, Rick. I was glad to uh, to have you back after you've been away for a little while. And yeah. and uh, good to, to hear your heart on this and hear a little bit more about the process. Thanks, man.